You're listening to Marcus Sahaba Online Radio Podcast. 809 uh, Central African Time. Uh, let's welcome a Pais and Sagisha Thurma with a hearty assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Your program, American Files, uh, keeping company. Do Carlo on the board, and I can tell you, mashallah, uh, doctor that we really look forward to, and he's uh, someone uh, that, you know, uh, Dr. Imran Atika, a doctor of Chinese medicine who has a qualification in uh, medicine. And Alhamdulillah, he's uh, someone that also is involved in politics. He's in there. He's a member of the provincial legislature and with the education and the mind. And perhaps, uh, yeah, you, I have to you know, maybe start off the program asking a question about the crisis in education. But before that, let me welcome uh, Dr. Imran Kika with a hearty. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. And tell me, Dr. Imran Kika, how you doing this fine and beautiful evening? Alaikum salam, brother Shifat, and assalamu alaikum to the listeners. I'm quite well, uh, dealing with the load shedding, you know, the uh, ineptitude of the state, unfortunately. Uh, and so, yeah, that's where we I think just at precisely eight o'clock the lights went, uh, and it should come back at around 10. If only government worked like load shedding works, you know, things would go. Rather well, I think, Brother Shafat. I hope you're keeping well. Alhamdulillah, all the better to hear your voice, uh, Doc. You know, Allah make it easy for all of us. And I believe that every 100 rand that we spend on fuel, uh, 38 rand goes to the government. Yeah, 38 uh, rand goes to them and allow Allah what happens. But uh, Dr. Imran Kika, you take a very uh, keen interest in education, uh, looking at the state of the schools, uh, especially the universities, the students are uh, marching, uh, the students are uh, asking for you know, assistance and the government has no money. Uh, a, a quick comment uh, from you, Doc. The quickest comment and comeback I can give you, Brother Shahat, is to ask where did all that money go? Because we're still paying the taxes, you and I. We still, the state is still generating money as it does. The question is where is all the money? And I think the citizens that are sitting in the dark like me and have the nasty feelings that we do when the lights go and when we go to the clinics and we have to wait in the long queues and there's a shortage of medicines or like in KZN, there's a shortage of 5 million textbooks and all the other problems. And when we feel bad about this, we need to ask ourselves the question. We need to remember this feeling and ask ourselves, uh, where the money went to and why on election day we are sitting at home instead of going to the ballot box to change it. Absolutely. And uh, I tell you, Doc, you know, when uh, people got to know you coming, a lot of questions have come through and inshallah we'll get uh, to that. And uh, listeners can make note of our WhatsApp number. It's 084 But alhamdulillah, I have a whole host of questions that Alu Kahlo is uh, typing on our screens. And uh, yes, uh, Doc, uh, you know, Alhamdulillah, the barakah flows uh, when you on Marcus Sahaba, the voice of the yeah. Ahlul Sunnah of our Jama'ah. I'm forgetting your mom, um, Sharifa, she's listening to us uh, this evening. A big well, well, to all the listeners. Uh, Doc, is, is, is mom listening? 
Well, today there's a, there's load shedding at this time, Brother Shafat. So, Mum, the radio is switched off, and unfortunately, it's not connected to a UPS or my inverter. So, Mum won't be able to listen, but I'm sure we'll be able to get the podcast inshallah. and play it for Mum, inshallah. But she was eagerly looking forward to it until we reminded her that we'll be in the dark. So, forgive me, you you'll probably hear a beeping sound in the background, but that's just the devices that go crazy when when there's no electricity. In a beautiful doc, and uh, Allah bless you for keeping uh, yourself available this evening. Uh, looking at uh, Mr. Fahid says, Assalamu alaikum. Please can Dr. Kika tell us about the use of honey in Chinese medicine and how well is honey uh, quality regulated in China? My part uh, two question is, I heard it's better to just have uh, brown sugar than the compromised honey we get today. If I may, please, a third question to Dr. Imran Kika. I heard some honey suppliers use synthetic and fake honeycomb, apparently from China, but I'm not too sure. They say South African uh, honey farmers pour compromised honey over fake honeycombs. Uh, people uh, think uh, they're getting pure honey off the comb. Uh, quite a loaded question, but, uh, you know, an important question, uh, Dr. Imran Kika. Who better than you to give us a, a, you know, an answer on that? Bismillah. Walaikum salam to the brother and Jarakullah for the question. Uh, very interesting question. Brother Shavat, uh, just as an aside, um, I've co-authored a little book on honey. Uh, it's available at, uh, I, I remember seeing it by Hussein in, in Durban. I know it's available at the CRI stores in Johannesburg. I know it's available online. Uh, we spent with my my cousin and I who wrote that book together quite a bit of time uh, exploring several areas uh, about the honeybee itself, uh, how honey is produced, and of course quite a bit of reading went into that book. So uh, I'm not here pitching the sales of the book, but I think it's a very informative little book. I haven't seen another one like it anywhere else um, that will talk about uh, not just honey production and how it all happens and the miracle of honey you know Latala mentions honey as a shifa and uh, so a lot of questions about honey are answered in the opening part of that book and then the rest of the book goes on to give several remedies lots of home remedies that can be used for very many things uh, that are honey based so uh, as you know my habit is not on air to answer questions about remedies but that little book if you know your condition you and you want to use honey as a remedy then you know it, 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 it's full of information then brother Shavat has a very important caveat when we talk about honey an important warning is that it's not meant for diabetics notwithstanding that I mentioned that Allah Allah mentions that it is a shifa for many conditions it is not meant for diabetics diabetics should not be sweetening their tea with it or sugar for that matter so no honey there is something uh, very important to it so having that in mind I think when we talk about uh, China and honey, yes, Chinese medicine, uh, in fact, in Chinese medicine, we use honey for a lot of things. Uh, it's called Fong Mi in Chinese, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. And in Chinese medicine, 
Uh, it's regarded as a moistening substance, tonifying and moistening substance. Sweet, of course. And, you know, Chinese medicine, is yeah, the acupuncture in particular, and even the herbs, we say they enter certain meridians, certain channels of the body. And honey in particular, according to the ancient Chinese text, tells us that it enters the large intestine. Uh, self-explanatory, we know that a lot of honey uh, is, is a laxative, so it enters the large intestine channel, the lung channel, and we know it is very good for coughs, and the spleen channel, we know it is excellent for digestion. So these are the things that Chinese medicine, and Chinese medicine would recommend that in, in a single dose that you don't use more than three to six teaspoons at a time. So we know that it softens the stools, uh, helps with constipation, dry coughs, assists the digestion, you know, if there's any deficiency in digestion, you can use it. And also we use it in a lot of preparations when we're preparing herbs. So some herbs, for example, are very harsh on the digestion. So we would prepare these herbs using honey or some herbs to increase their tonifying effects on the body. Uh, there's a herb, uh, it's called astragalus or huang qi in Chinese medicine. Uh, it's a very strong tonic, uh, amongst the stronger tonics that we use in Chinese medicine. But when we want to make it stronger, we take the herb, it's, it's uh, a root, we take the root and we fry it or coat it in honey or fry it in honey and then we use that. So it, tonify, it actually strengthens the tonifying effect of the herbs. Other herbs are like that as well. Uh, tonifying herbs for the digestive system, for example, licorice. You can get it prepared with honey. So it tonifies the digestion even more. So this is how honey is used in Chinese medicine. As far as honey being adulterated, Brother Shavad, my habit is I always buy honey from the local suppliers. And here in Newcastle, we have a very good farmer, um, Mr. De Villiers. I buy all my honey from him. So I buy out probably five or ten kilos at a time. And when it gets used up, then I get uh, some more from him. I use it in medicine, in the practice, to make certain of our syrups and mixtures. And I also use it, of course, in the house uh, instead of using sugar. So... Um, we use honey. And, of course, the kids love it, and we go through quite a bit. So the best honey, of course, is the honey that um, comes from your local area. Uh, there's, there's lots of ways to adulterate honey. Uh, some people mix it. Uh, so some honey with, with things like golden syrup or glucose syrup, and they adulterate honey. Uh, some um, Chinese companies have gone so far as to adulterate it in such a way as to trick, to try and trick even the laboratories because honey, when looked at um, using gas chromatography, which is a um, system of analysis that can use to break down substances to identify them, you can use this scientific method or, or laboratory uh, machine uh, to identify to the extent from which species that honey came, so which plant the bees went to and collected the honey, which area they were in. And you can actually narrow it down to a particular part of the earth. Ajit, so you can do that with honey to 
that extent. So what happens is that these come some of the Chinese companies that produce honey in bulk adulterate it to such an extent that they go so far as to cheat the system to put even plant extracts in that honey so that when it's tested it appears as if it came from that part of that plant and and big kinds of fraudulent things that are happening. We know that not too long ago there was a great big huge scandal regarding honey, particularly involving the United States that was importing from China, when they put a um, you know increased the taxes against imported honey. Uh, the Chinese companies, in particular, which are notorious for the adulterated honey. Uh, used all kinds of shenanigans to continue to export to the United States. Uh, so here in South Africa, we do have a lot of imported honey, particularly from China and India. Honey that I don't particularly trust. And this is my personal opinion. I'm not casting aspersions on any company. I don't want any company to come and sue me. But because I believe that you know honey can be adulterated without you knowing um, and made to appear like it is genuine, and then what happens is I stick to the idea of knowing who I'm getting my honey from. And of course, if it's from a trusted local source, that is the honey that I consume. So in terms of supply of honey, generally what honey does and all the kinds of things that honey can be used for, uh, this is my view. So I don't remember the brother's entire question, but I hope that um, telling you about how honey can be adulterated what it does for the body and how we use it and when not to use it, I think I've covered uh, the basis unless you want me to expand in any particular part of that question, Brashfad. Yeah, I really enjoy your, your input there, Doc. And I also, he talks about the uh, uh, fake honeycombs, you know, and, uh, you know, some people uh, like to buy the honeycombs and how healthy is it to eat the honeycomb? And sometimes if you're buying fake honeycombs, you could be eating plastic, uh, Doc. Gee, that is absolutely correct. Or even wax. It is a wax. Uh, in in yeah. fact, there are some, there are some preparations um, that, I, that I use in the rooms, uh, you know, skincare uh, products that we give our patients instead of using, uh, you know, chemically-based waxes to nourish and uh, soothe the skin. We use uh, beeswax, which comes from the honeycomb. Again, I get it from the same supplier because once he spins out the honey in, in, you know, in a centrifuge, then I get from him the leftover honeycomb, and then we melt, we wash clean, melt it down, and we use it as, you know. And then, but it's also commercially available. But again, we need to go back to trusted sources. So the honeycomb. Uh, look, if, if somebody got it off the hive and they're selling it to you and it looks, you know, I, I, I recall my days in, in the Eastern Cape when I used to work there many, many moons ago. Uh, we used to see little boys on the road when you're driving. They would stand there with a tray selling, uh, you know, the honeycomb and, uh, you know, with the honey dripping from it. That we know, you know, the, the fellow probably climbed up a tree or, or somewhere and, he, you know, he went and brought it and came. But again, very difficult to tell um, and, and hard to know unless it's a reputed and trusted supplier. So we, we, we're really, really going to be cautious with honey. So lots of honey available on the shelves. I always read the labels. And again, if I had to buy it, then, you know, there are two or three other, I mean, if I buy store-bought honey and not from the farmer that I usually get it from, then I would, you know, uh, get it from a reputable um, 
you know, company. Otherwise, I would say, you know, uh, try and find honey uh, that is locally produced where you know the farmer or somebody who bought it from a farmer and can can tell you where, because everybody can't go look for a farmer. So you, you want to buy either the honeycomb or, you know, people are selling it and, and like to chew it. I know mom's a rascal, she, she's diabetic, but uh, honeycomb is something she likes to chew on. Uh, so it just means giving her a little bit more medication. But um, so, so yes, uh, some people enjoy it. Uh, particularly, I don't enjoy eating the, the wax part. Uh, but of course, fresh honey is fresh honey. You, you can't beat that, brother Shafa. Absolutely delicious. I don't want to tell you now about recipes of how to drizzle it on what, brother Shafa. <laughs> we we'll start talking about food, and <laughs> we'll stray from our program. But yeah, you know, uh, delicious indeed. Uh, Allah Taala has created something, you know. Other than that, you know, for wound healing, I, I remember somebody phoned me the other day, a patient that I had known that had gone for surgery that we, 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 we referred them for. And, you know, after they took out the staples, they called to tell me that, okay, it's itching quite a bit and can we apply something? I said, apply honey. Alhamdulillah, it did very well. So, you know, you can apply it for, you know, first date, not for severe burns, but, you know, just first degree burns, even perhaps even second degree burns, so long as the skin is not open. But even if the skin is open, um, after the usual first aid measures when you need an antiseptic, it's an excellent antiseptic. We've even heard of manuka honey, you know, coming from New Zealand, uh, with some extra special properties of uh, healing and wound healing particularly. And the more you study, the more RGB is, it's also an excellent preservative. And of course, uh, what is not allowed in our Sharia is the use of hammer or alcohol. And the, I know the Chinese produce um, alcohol out of honey. So, you know, a certain wine out of honey. Uh, so it can, you know, they, they even use it that way. But, uh, yeah. So, so an excellent, excellent treat, excellent medicine, and Allah Ta'ala has, uh, you know, glorified it by mentioning it. So we, we, we don't have to, uh, you know, we don't have to glorify it more because Allah Ta'ala has done so. Absolutely, Doc. As you said, uh, Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala says uh, in the Quran, and verily days she find honey. Verily days healing in honey, and the Bible says, "Eat thou honey, my son." You know, uh, Doctor Imran Tika, when you look at uh, storage of honey, I believe you can keep it for a thousand years. The honey won't go off. I don't know how true that is, but uh, you know, which is the best way of storing honey? Well. It, 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 it is indeed uh, something that is a preservative and, uh, you know, the uh, historians have found, the archaeologists have found pots of honey even in ancient tombs, um, you know, still good to go. Uh, so we already know there are some cultures that even preserve uh, meat in honey. So, you know, and if it can preserve meat, well, that says a lot about its uh, preservative qualities, alhamdulillah. So, um, best way to store honey, clean glass jar, cool, dry place. Uh, easiest advice I can give about the storage of honey. So, the best is a glass, a glass uh, utensil, not the plastic, because uh, wherever you go, in the supermarkets or uh, different stores, honey is given to you in a uh, plastic bottle. So, how does that affect the honey, Doc? Well, it doesn't affect the honey. Um, Probably in some way, you know, I always say plastics are bad. 
uh, they should be BPA-free plastic. So if it's a BPA-free plastic and you store it, I don't think there should be any issue. Uh, and I don't think there's any great harm to it. But I always say clean glass jar and a cool dark place. That's the best way to store things. But, uh, yeah, if, if you know the plastic is not harmful, then, then absolutely fine. No problem. I, I yeah. can't agree to that. No, mashallah. I'm looking at a, a question here. Uh, Noura Masi says, uh, Assalamu alaikum, Shafaat and Dr. Imran Kika. I love the honey also. Which country produces the best honey? I was about to ask uh, Dr. Kika that, uh, Masi, but you beat me to the draw. Dr. Imran Kika, uh, Kika how do you respond to Masi then? Walaikum salam, Masi. I, I think that's a very difficult question to answer. I, I, I said a little earlier, and I'm going to repeat my mm. personal view on the matter, is that your locally sourced honey is always best. So for me, the honey that I source in Newcastle is best for, in my view, and probably Masi, wherever Masi is, wherever she is, if there's somebody that can provide honey to her there, then that's the best honey for her. Um, I'm happy to to share my uh, farmer's uh, number with anybody that wants it, because I think it's just, it's just good, pure honey that's uh, you know, from the bees that run wild in the field. And, uh, you know, it, it's seasonal. Honey is generally produced in, in, in the summer months and used up by the bees themselves, uh, you know, in, in the winter months. And uh, so honey is quite abundant in the summer months, and it's, it's a great time to buy honey. Um, in the summer months, uh, we, we also don't want the bees to die off and be deprived of their nutrition. So if you want to stock up, stock up nicely in the summer months when honey is in abundance and naturally available uh, so that, it, you know, you don't affect. We, we know there's problems with bees um, in, in different parts of the world. We've heard the stories of how droves of bees are, you know, are dying off. And as a result, you know, it affects because they, they're major pollinators. So how it's affecting, uh, you know, crops and plantations. I, I, I came across um, the United States uh, a documentary where, you know, farmers or bee farmers would actually take uh, their bees to different parts of uh, the country there uh, to pollinate plants. So uh, that, that's to the extent to which they had to go because the indigenous populations of bees died out. And that is because probably of, uh, you know, our own fault because of our, mm. well, one, it could be natural disease of the bees, but also because um, we use pesticides and spray and, you know, so we kill off the bees. And then, of course, we don't want to starve them by, you know, taking all the honey during the winter months. So I always stock up the honey in the summer months, uh, hoping that I'll have enough to supply me in the winter months. And when I run out of that honey, and of course, through a reputable store, then I would buy honey off the shelf. Mashallah, fascinating uh, conversation with Dr. Brankika. And yes, uh, the honey is really getting us all interested. Well, let's go to the marketplace and buy some honey. You're listening to a Marcus Sahaba online radio podcast. 
Yes, it's gone 8.34 Central African time. Uh, medical files are keeping company this evening. Dr. Ivan Kika, a doctor of Chinese medicine who has a qualification in medicine. Alhamdulillah, fascinating conversation about the honey, the honeybee and the wax and the comb. And uh, yes, you can really enjoy your honey and it's a value for your money. Yeah, it's quite a... It's cheap, uh, cheaply priced, but if you get the pure honey, it's worth investing in. Atayr Abdullah says, Assalamu alaikum to all. Always I love the medical shows and especially enjoy Dr. Imran Kika. What is a Chinese medicine view on messages? What is the best kind of, oh, sorry, 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 massages. I'm thinking about messages that the honey is sending here, or the bee is sending to me. I'll read that again, uh, Dr. Atayr Abdullah says, Assalamu alaikum to all. Always I love the medical shows, especially enjoy Dr. Imran Kika. What is the Chinese medicine view on massages? What is the best kind of massage? And what oils do Chinese doctors use for massage? Doc? Walaikum salam to the brother. Uh, we've just completed quite a sweet discussion. Um, so let's talk about them. <laughs> Absolutely. Like, I love that. Yeah, you're a sweet man also. <laughs> Mashallah. So, so massages, uh, in, we use therapeutic, uh, well, let's talk about therapeutic massages first. So the, with the Allied Health Professions Council of South Africa, you, you recall that I serve uh, on one of the professional boards there, there is a registrable profession called therapeutic massage. So massage, you know, varies from parts of the world, like, in China or the East, uh, India, Africa, um, and of course in the West. So there's different modalities and different types of massage and of course different uh, techniques that everybody uses. For example, there's the Indian head massage, you know, your barber, a lot of people go to the Indian Pakistani barbers and fall asleep on the chairs there because they get a very relaxing and nice head massage. So... Uh, in Chinese medicine, uh, what I have learned is something called Tui Na. So it's a therapeutic massage where we use the meridians and uh, the different muscle groups to massage them in a very special technique that we are taught. And we are, we are also taught to manipulate the areas and even the joints sometimes in certain ways. And, of course, when it comes down to the oils that we would use, it would depend on what the patient needs. So, for example, um, I'll just use something common. You wouldn't take a patient that has an inflamed area with a lot of heat there and take a hot oil like mustard oil and go and massage it. So, so that, that doesn't make sense. So you'd use something cooler. And then the opposite is true. So, so if you've got inflammation or disease of a certain area that requires a massage and you're going to, you know that the patient has a cold in them or phlegm or damp in them that's causing the problem, you won't go and take cold substances and massage that area. So we would use warmer things. And again, a common example is something like mustard oil. And there are lots of combinations of these oils that are put together or substances or herbs that I infuse in oils. Some of them I make myself in the practice and I use them with my patients. Um, we use it in combination with cupping, for example. So we would massage meridians 
um, to warm them using certain oils. So if, for example, I want to use a meridian and stimulate it, I can use a camphorated oil or some other herbs infused in a camphorated oil, for example. We could even apply cups over the area and massage the meridians or the muscle groups or whatever we are aiming to achieve. So in, in a nutshell, um, we we massage in, in the practice patients that come with uh, certain musculoskeletal conditions or if we want to tonify a certain meridian, uh, you know, improve the blood flow in it or the energy or chi flow in it, I should say, then, uh, you know, we, we use massage as a common uh, practice in the practice, if I can put it that way. Yeah, looking at another message on the screen. Faithful says, I'm listening to you from King Williamstown, really enjoying the show. Uh, Dr. Blantika, I'm uh, I'm uh, 60 years old, but uh, now and then I do get uh, pains in my knees. And uh, someone said I should be rubbing oil on it. Is, uh, is uh, mustard oil the best for my knees? Uh, well, there's Faisal uh, really enjoying your talk on massage. And he wants to know, is mustard oil good for his knees? And uh, now and then he gets the pain, uh, Doc. I have quite fond memories of there. I lived two, two years, I think, in that town. In wow. Many, many years ago. So I think it was 2001, 2002, So, yeah, you know, um, the, the, with age comes wear and tear. And uh, I don't know what might be causing uh, that pain in the knees, but I'll give you an easy home remedy that everybody can remember for these aches and pains. I told you, Brother Shafat, I really don't like giving remedies on the phone, but this is quite safe and easy to use. And if you use it, um, inshallah, it will give you some uh, some shifa and some relief. Uh, but also go and get that knee checked out. Let your doctor have a look at it. Um, I don't want to mention the name of a very good friend of mine, but you can go and see one of your doctors in King Williamstown, have an X-ray of that knee, let them find out what's going with the knee, uh, going on with the knee so that they can properly treat it. But I'll give you a nice, easy home remedy that you can use for aches and pains in joints. So um, Himalayan salt, the pink one, uh, 10 teaspoons of it, and, 10 te and 20 teaspoons of olive oil. So 10 teaspoons Himalayan salt, 20 teaspoons of olive oil. So double the quantity of olive oil. Uh, just let it sit for at least 10 or 20 days. Keep mixing it. And then when that oil is ready, um, regularly apply it. Apply it every day if you can. And inshallah, that will give some relief uh, to the achy and painy joints. And I hope that home remedy will help in Williamstown. But if he's knee joint pain is caused because of a lot of heat in his body and the joint is angry and hot because of arthritis and then you go put some mustard oil on it. Really not a good idea. Um, so have it checked out and then go from there. Yeah, Dr. I've been thinking whilst you're giving the recipe. Jazakallah khair for that because that is your Ramadan, pre-Ramadan gift you're giving to the Ummah. And, you know, after Tazakat from you. Allah bless you for that. Uh, beautiful. People, you heard that for joints and pains, uh, uh, 10 teaspoons of Himalayan salt and uh, 20 teaspoons of olive oil. And uh, 10 to 20 days, uh, put it in a jar and keep on mixing it and then apply it, people. Hey, Doc, 
you know what? Okay. I don't get the pain, but I'm going to try that thing just for fun. Eh? I'm going to say Dr. Imran Kikar mix and I'll put it on and I'll make Very good for you, inshallah. I should, I should patent it, bottle it, and tell you, Hey, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to phone you after the show. Yeah, I'm going to see the labels now. Mufti A.K. Hussain's uh, nephew, he's got a label. He calls himself Label Den. Hey, Josie, if you're listening, Great. start making those Great. labels now. <laughs> Great stuff. We're on. Great stuff. No, no, no doubt, Doc. Uh, Yaqubi Smile says, Assalamu alaikum. I'm posing the question on behalf of my Haji Pei, who enjoys uh, Dr. Akikai a lot. Doc, you have a lot of people that are uh, simply addicted to you. Is this your efficacious personality? Is it because of the type of cure you give? What is it that makes people, you know, so attracted uh, to you? I won't call you the queen bee. I never heard of a king bee. But you are <laughs> definitely <laughs> people are attracted to you, Doc. Maybe, Shavad, probably because I'm very blunt. I don't know. <laughs> okay. You're a sweet man, I told you. Okay. He goes on to the Haji Pei. Okay, you're listening. Now, this is this. I'm posing the question on the behalf of my Haji Pei. We enjoy Dr. Imran Kika a lot. He says, Haji Pei has flatulence all day and night, passing wind from mouth and everywhere. Is there a formula in Chinese medicine to relieve him of this? Yeah, imagine, yeah, making Dakar and all the other things, uh, Doc. And especially when Ramadan comes, and then you go to 12 cylinders. I don't know. Uh, your comments. Gee, very uncomfortable condition. Look, it can have several causes according to Chinese medicine, far too many to go through, uh, you know, it need a long time. But what I would suggest to Haji Pei is that he visits, I would certainly suggest visiting a doctor of Chinese medicine, uh, having some acupuncture and, and of course, uh, majorly what would help is to change the diet. So I, I mentioned to you on previous shows that one specific area of Chinese medicine that we practice is something called Shi Lao, which has to do with dietotherapy. So a lot of the problems with regards to flatulence go away when you change the diet. And I have found uh, over the years of practice, Baba Shafat, getting rid of things that are intolerant, such as wheat, corn, and very often dairy products can significantly benefit the condition. As a quick home remedy, uh, if Hajipe is not um, diabetic, some honey would assist, uh, but with something called asafoetida, or something that we can buy in the Indian spice shops um, called hing, uh, the scientific name is asafoetida, just a pinch of it, you know, the tip of a knife. A little bit of that um, either used in the cooking process or in, during sauteing and eating that, or taken separately in a little bit of honey and water uh, because it doesn't taste too nice. Uh, but if Hajibe is uh, diabetic, then leave the honey out and just add a fatida in a little bit of warm water regularly might help his problem. But uh, again, uh, without knowing the exact details of why that is, um, you know, it's, it's very important uh, to go and see somebody. So anyway, you know, uh, I'm sure he's been to the doctors and, and so on, and 
probably can't find. There are tests that you can do to have a look at his entire digestive system, so stool analysis and so on, to try and figure out if there are any imbalances, overgrowth of any microorganisms and things like that. So there's a whole lot of things that can be done for you. Uh, it's just a matter of sitting in front of somebody that can go through that consultation with him, get to the bottom of the problem, identify it hopefully and inshallah. Uh, and then, of course, then you apply a remedy, and inshallah, it should, should help significantly. Yes, uh, doctor, thinking aloud here, can uh, spices bring about flatulence and, uh, you know, burping and things like that? Sorry, what? Spices, you know, you're using different types spices, of spices, yes, chili yes. powder, yes, garam masala, and all these things. Definitely. A lot of them are there in our food to aid the digestion and to, you know, give us health benefits. But certainly, you know, if you're intolerant to very hot and spicy foods and things like that, certainly, you know. So, and then, of course, uh, when we talk about diet, again, we need to look at what Hajipa is eating. You know, is he having, eating beans and eating cabbage and, you know, the dal and, you know, those kinds of things that are naturally gas-producing foods. I doubt he's doing that because he already has a problem, so he's probably avoiding that, but if he isn't, then he should. But like I said again, you know, uh, major contributors are uh, to the imbalances in the digestive system, you know, is, is gluten. And so I always say wheat corn, although corn is considered uh, gluten-free, I say corn. And then, of course, dairy products. Stay away from them, all of them, including cheese and, you know, even the hard cheeses. Uh, stay all away from all of them, and uh, that should significantly help. But if it's if you've tried all that and not helping, then of course we we need to sit down and uh, go through a consultation, do the necessary tests, find out what's happening, uh, look out for any abnormalities in the gastrointestinal tract. You know the gastrointestinal tract starts right from the lips and ends up at uh, the exit at the back. So, you know, so that entire system needs to be looked at and to see, you know, if there are no disease conditions that Hajipay have um, that are giving rise to this, you know. So we need to exclude every possibility. So hopefully, inshallah. You know, we've had quite a lot of success with patients where we've gone through the process, um, long-haul process of looking at possible causes, uh, treating with some acupuncture in between and herbs, and then, of course, if we find the cause, treating it. And the Lamla, we've had some nice results over the years. But again, king um, is always very nice as an addition uh, to food. Um, and so hopefully that will significantly help you. Inshallah, Babu from Abelito says, Assalamu alaikum, my brothers at Marcus. We respect our Amir Mufti, A.K. Hussein, and we enjoy all brothers, uh, Brother Shafar's programs. We look forward also to Dr. Imran Tika because we respect Chinese medicine. What is the Chinese culture view on circumcision? A Chinese doctor skilled in the art of circumcision. And please give us the benefits from a health perspective on this sunnah. Zahallah khair, doctor. Uh, quite a uh, good question there from uh, Babu from Balito. Uh, Walaikum salam, Babu. Uh, yeah, we're talking about quite a few sunnahs today, aren't we? We're talking about honey and we're talking Gee. about circumcision and we're talking about eating good food, halal and even. So, yeah, um, this is part, uh, you know, circumcision is part of the fitrat of a Muslim. 
uh, you know, we we don't have to talk from of it from any point of view. Uh, we can get all of that from the ulama. Uh, the most important benefit, of course, is, is cleanliness. Um, you know, and we know that is half of our iman. You know, staying clean. So we know of that benefit. We also know that uh, circumcision uh, reduces uh, the risk of contracting HIV. We know we're not speaking about, uh, you know, those people who... We, we're speaking about people who would, who would indulge in those types of behaviors where they are at risk of HIV. Now, we know that um, if this if person has been circumcised, that risk of um, contracting HIV or other sexually transmitted diseases are reduced in some instances up to 60%. There's not a license, of course, to go and live a lifestyle where you open yourself up to the risk of these things. Uh, but uh, Allah forbid, if it does happen, then it reduces your risk. So cleanliness, a risk, a reduced risk of disease, and uh, there are even some studies that suggest that uh, it goes so far as to uh, safeguard against certain cancers of that area of the body. Um, so those are the you know known benefits that we know of it. Um, whether the Chinese doctors are skilled, I think that anybody who uh, you know has uh, learned how to do circumcisions properly is proficient and knows how to do it. Of course, we don't want anybody just you know anybody to do it. We know that uh, in certain parts of our own country, we have traditional surgeons doing it. We know the Khoza culture, for example. A uh, big part of the practice, uh, we can speak of uh, His Majesty King, the late King Zulikini, uh who should be interned tonight, I think it is. Uh, he revived very much the practice uh, amongst the Zulu-speaking people of our, uh, of our country and the, and the Zulu nation, where he encouraged the practice. Um, to reduce the risk of contracting HIV and AIDS. And uh, so, yeah, uh, and I think that, um, you know, massive medical camps have been run out in South Africa. We have not had, as far as I know of my time in health, of any death from circumcision resulting, uh, result, uh, you know, occurring in the KZN hospitals where, uh, you know, there was male medical circumcision performed. So in the proper and correct environment, you know, if all goes well. Uh, but of course, uh, I recall, you know, in Pakistan, you know, one of the sunnahs that we have when it comes to circumcision is that the circumcision should take place on the seventh day. And this is a good reason. I think that, you know, within the first few days of life, uh, if, they, if the baby boy has any blood problems or anything like that, it will become quite obvious. Not always, but it becomes quite obvious. And I recall one incident of the Shafat where um, we had a non-person non wasn't a doctor. They, they would call them uh, compounders, you know. He performed the circumcision uh, without telling any of us. He was a newborn boy. Because he was two days old, and he performed the circumcision in the ward. And then when he couldn't stop the bleeding because it was an obvious bleeding disorder, uh, and he called us, 
We, we couldn't stop the bleeding. It was too late, and the child bled out completely. So there are absolute risks to it. And, uh, of course, uh, in the right hand, uh, with the right people doing it, inshallah. Um, I know of a person, of a, of a Darul Newcastle student here in Newcastle, whose child also bled out. Uh, but that was because, uh, you know, the circumcision was properly performed, but the parents were not properly advised of the aftercare. And so as the child bled through the night, they just kept dabbing it, thinking that it is fine. In the meantime, you know, in a small child, when there is blood loss, uh, a lot of blood loss, it, you know, even a, we might think it's a little, for the child it's too much. And that child, by Fajr time, the next day had passed on. I know the brother uh, personally and, and, and I know him very well. So he, he lost his child because, uh, you know, the aftercare wasn't good. So... There's all kinds of things that we can discuss about circumcision. Uh, yeah, as far as the Chinese go, I know that it is not part of the culture to mm. have circumcision. So they would have it only if there's a disease condition, uh, there is something called uh, phimosis or paraphimosis, which is uh, something where that traditional skin that is there uh, becomes too tight and that can cause uh, an emergency condition, paraphimosis, and it would need an emergency intervention. So in cases where patients have had conditions like that, uh, then of course uh, they, they would use, you know, I mean, they would circumcise. But it's not uh, a common practice in the culture that I'm aware of. We have about five minutes to go before we end off. Uh, we go for the Ishazan. The anonymous says, "Assalamu alaikum. I enjoyed the program. Uh, please advise me uh, a Chinese remedy to control appetite. Me and my family we love good food and eat a lot. <laughs> now it's affected our health and weight. It's embarrassing us all, doctor." Well, we mustn't body shame, so I don't think we must get embarrassed by weight, but we certainly shouldn't be putting on weight mm -hmm. uh, because of overindulgence. Uh, that is against the sunnah. And of course, the uh, Chinese remedy, I mean, I always say, you know, if you're putting on weight, abnormal amounts of weight, um, if you are overindulging in food or craving certain foods, then we, do, we need to look at what that imbalance in the body is. And we need to sit with you and figure it out. And then, of course, prescribe the right foods for you. And, uh, you know, remedies are the last thing. There's too many of these diet remedies out there, weight loss, fat, and all these kinds of things, causing people's pockets to get empty and the waist to remain, you know, as wide as it is. So we need to be careful of that. So instead of prescribing remedies, I would say eat in moderation because that's very important and that is the sunnah. Eat only when hungry. We all love good food. So when we sit down to eat, we shouldn't overindulge. Eat enough uh, to satisfy the appetite, just enough that, you know, when you're not hungry, stop eating then, leave some space for uh, the water in the tummy if you're going to drink some water immediately afterwards, and of course leave some space for the stomach itself to digest the food, because overeating, uh, we know, weakens what we call in Chinese medicine the spleen qi. So... Um, or the ability of the body to adapt uh, to, you know, it, it causes that deficiency, inability of the body to adapt to whatever conditions it's faced with. So it's very, very important. The digestion and the stomach is very, very important. So watch it and uh, treat it well. So, and the worst thing that you can do to your health is to overeat. So don't overeat. 
eat just enough. So if you have all the delicious food in it, you can take a little bit of everything to taste, but you don't have to eat everything. Uh, meaning you don't have to eat it in large quantities and eat everything up. So a little bit of everything is fine. Um, and enjoy the food, of course. Uh, so no harm in that. So the thing is that if you want to lose weight, then ensure that you eat properly, that you do regular exercise, and, of course, uh, whatever you are taking in is wholesome and nutritious and doesn't contribute uh, to the disease. One of our biggest problems today uh, is as a result of what we have control over and it is what we put on the mouth. And, and, and this, is, uh, this is one of the biggest problems we have. So, you know, the explosion of obesity, as they call it, as a result of overindulgence. So we have control over that. Let us take control of it. If you can't then see us, then we'll try and help you in some way. Well, you heard that clearly, Anonymous, uh, Dr. Imran Pika telling you, do not indulge, to bulge. Yeah, it's a bad thing. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, Doc, we have... Uh, yeah, we have. Hey, we already have only. We have one one minute to go, Doc. Your parting words uh, this evening. You must. You must please ask Lucalo to record it because I say the same thing every time. Um, so I always say, he who uh, sees the doctor only when sick is like he who digs the well only when thirsty. So see your doctor. Take your chronic medication regularly and on time. Um, eat wholesome and healthy food. Uh, you go and talk, go and check up your vitamin D levels. Um, correct it if necessary. Your GP will be able to help you with that. Go and see that, and then you know, come and see those practitioners that are involved uh, in identifying these imbalances in the body, such as the doctors of Chinese medicine, Unani medicine, the Ayurvedic doctors, and and others, so homeopaths, and so on, and and let us work on you, whether you have a chronic condition, whether you want to just remain well, even if you are not sick, come and see us because there's always something uh, that could be triggered from some part of your daily routine or not. And come and see us. A very important part of our health is to also fast. It is a sunnah. It is a great sunnah that has very many health benefits. Ramadan is coming up. That's one month in a year, but also fasting, uh, you know, Mondays and Thursdays, uh, which is also a sunnah, or every now and then intermittent fasting. Now it has become a fad, actually. So uh, fasting, which is a sunnah, practice and make amal on it. Inshallah, these are great things that uh, keep us in good and fantastic health. And then, of course, seeing the qualified people that can do cupping for you, uh, go and see them. You know, such as the Chinese medicine, Unani medicine doctors in South Africa, and not the fly-by-night, and let us uh, assist you with that as well. So, um, inshallah, keeping all of that in mind, and seeing the doctor, not only when you're sick, uh, but even when you are healthy, to keep in shape and keep in balance, inshallah, that will go a long way to keeping everyone well. And of course, for the Shafat to end off, we make dua that Allah give all those who are sick uh, Shifa, and uh, all those who are well, Allah Ta'ala, keep them well. We are in difficult time. Uh, we've just had a slight ease with, uh, with COVID. That doesn't mean we've had only a small part of the population vaccinated. And uh, there's a long, long way still to go. 
And uh, at the current rate, government will only end up vaccinating all the South African citizens. At the current rate, it will take another 18 years to vaccinate everybody unless they pick it up. So what I'm saying is that uh, keep safe uh, and remember the protocols. You know, wear your mask when you go out, wash your hands regularly. Where you can't wash, use a hand sanitizer. Remember your coffee ticket. And don't go to the masjid or to another place of work or anything if you are sick. If you are sick, stay at home. Make your ibadah at home. Don't go to work. Don't send your children to school. When you are better, then you go. This prevents the spread of disease. Jazakallah khair, Dr. Imran Kika, absolutely uh, brilliant this evening. Jazakallah khair, with the load shedding to you, still came out uh, like a shining star. Lucky if you're blessed. You have a blessed, uh, inshallah, Ramadan ahead, and uh, pay, uh, perhaps we'll, we'll tap into you for some nasiyah during uh, this uh, beautiful month that's coming up. Doctor, you have a blessed evening ahead. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi Remember me, Definitely, it's time for us to go for the Isha Azan. When you get back, a pertinent uh, punctuated will be joining you. Hopefully, Sheikh Shoy Baida will be joining us with a loving the Quran and Morana Salim Karim. Uh, his topic this evening is the moderation, a key to success, an Islamic viewpoint. Let's go for the Isha Azan.